You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, perhaps, maybe, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. I have a question this morning. When were you saved? When were you saved? Not from a car wreck. Not from some disease. When were you saved from your sin? When were you saved, as this passage puts it, from wrath? from God's punishing wrath upon sin and judgment. When were you saved? Father, I need you this morning. You know that I do. And I ask that you would please speak to me and through me. And Lord, the Christians that are here this morning, that we would be encouraged to live more for you. And Father, those who are here this morning who do not know for sure that they are going to heaven, Lord, you're going to speak to them this morning. I know that you are about their need for a Savior. Help them to swallow their pride and come to you in faith and trust. As a child would come to a father seeking for forgiveness and a Savior, Lord, help them come to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. There's a song that we sang growing up, and we especially sang it at camp and youth conferences. Um, Basically, it it was on a... Maybe Monday, somebody touched me. It was on a Tuesday, somebody touched me. And you're talking about when you got saved, what day of the week. I was Tuesday, Tuesday, July 6th, 2004. Not many people get saved on a Tuesday. I got saved on a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday in West Virginia, no less. West Virginia at Mount Salem Revival Grounds that I I couldn't get away from it anymore. I knew that I was going to hell. I knew that I was not saved. And I asked Jesus to save me, and he did. Back in 2004, 16 years ago, I was two years old. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How many of you, it was a Tuesday? Do you remember? It was a Tuesday. Christian, it was a Tuesday. Brother Chad, it was a Tuesday. Very good. Brother Chad's visiting with us today, and I'm so sorry. I, I, I forgot your name. Chris, Christy. Yes. Christy and Miss Christy, you're visiting with us today. Uh, sorry, I'll never forget your name again. Uh, so a Tuesday. Anyone else? Tuesday? How about a, Mrs. Dane? A Tuesday. How about Sunday? You were saved on a Sunday. Yes, many on a Sunday in church. I've heard from many of you, I've heard the stories of when you got saved. Some of you were in church. Some of you were out of church. Brother Dennis, you were in a hotel room. You asked the Lord to save you in a hotel room. Uh, he, he was alone. He was alone. Uh, some of you were with people. Some of you were with family. Some of you were with your church family. Uh, some of you were raised Catholic. 
when you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Some of you were Mormon. The same you were in the Mormon church when you came to find out that Jesus needed to be your Savior. Uh, some of you were Jehovah's Witness. Many of you were lost Baptists when you found out that you needed Jesus as your Savior. It didn't matter that you grew up in church. It didn't matter that you knew all the books of the Bible. You knew them from beginning to end. You knew that Hezekiah wasn't a book. I always say this. You knew that Malachi was not Malachi. It's Malachi. You knew all of that. Some of you were saved in the morning, some at night. But there's one thing we all have in common if we're saved. We all have faith in Jesus Christ. We believed that Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God. He came down. He died for our sins. He lived a sinless life. Sinner can't pay for another sinner's sin. Can't go and confess your sins to another sinner. It's not how it works. You may as well go there and say, you go first. <laughs> you first, and then I'll tell mine. No, you don't have to tell me your, your sins. I don't have to tell you mine. We go to the sinless one. We go to the sinless one. He died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day as Savior of the world. Listen to me. Going to church does not save you. Giving to charity does not save you. Praying to Mary doesn't save you. Praying to another saint does not save you. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. Good works don't save you. Living a good life doesn't save you. Being kind doesn't save you. Raising good kids doesn't save you. Knowing about Jesus doesn't save you. Believing that there is a God doesn't save you. You know the devil believes that there is a God? And he even trembles at that fact when many humans don't even care. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. But when you read your Bible, it says, If, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with confession... So, uh, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, there's many people who say that they believe in the Lord, but they don't believe him in their heart. It's like when we talk to kids about Santa Claus. Are there any kids in here? Okay, we'll leave it alone, right? There's some adults going, wait, wait what? <laughs> but no, I see him in movies. He's at La Palmera every year. So what do we, we talk about him. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's real. A lot of people do that about the Lord. Oh, yeah, the Lord this and the Lord that. And thank Jesus, thank the Lord. And in their heart, not one ounce of belief that he is their savior. You can confess without believing, but you can't believe without confessing. When you believe in your heart, it's going to come out. Fruit of the Spirit comes out. Has to. Listen to me this morning, if you don't believe, if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way to go to heaven, you will never, ever be saved. If you choose to believe that you can work your way into heaven, 
or pay your way into heaven or sneak your way into heaven or cry your way into heaven, bargain your way into heaven, hail Mary your way into heaven, baptize your way into heaven, smile your way into heaven, reason your way into heaven, you will never be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am not a way, not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I know many people believe that, but I'm asking, do you believe that? Do you believe him when he says that? If you do not know that Jesus is your Savior, if you do not know that you're going to heaven when you die, I believe God is knocking at your heart's door this morning. He is knocking at your heart's door. He sees you struggling to gain God's favor. But let's be honest. Come on, let's be honest. I, I know that you don't know who I am. I'm, I'm asking you for a lot of trust right now. I understand that. I haven't done anything for you, many of you. I just learned your name. I'm asking you for a lot of trust. But I'm preaching the Bible to you. And I know maybe we are just acquaintances, but right now, preaching the Bible, I'm one of the best friends that you have. He sees you struggling under the weight of sin, but let's be honest, how, how are you going to get rid of that weight? Good works? Okay, all right. So your good works will outweigh your bad works. Even if that was the truth, every single day you're adding more and more bad works onto the other side of that scale. I think even if you had good days the rest of your life, I don't know that you'd be able to undo all the bad that we have done. He sees you struggling to gain God's favor. How are you going to gain God's favor? He sees your, he sees your desire to get into heaven. How? How are you going to get into heaven when Jesus says, you don't get into heaven but by me? Jesus said you'll never gain God's favor. You'll never lose that weight unless you trust him. What do we mean by trusting him? When he says this is the way, this is the way, you say, okay. Then that is the way we will go. Now, I learned many things from my dad growing up. He taught me look both ways. Don't ask what's in grandma's food. Just eat it. Another thing that he taught me was trust is earned. So you hear me this morning saying, trust the Lord. And you've been burned before. We've all been burned before. Oh, yeah. We got that coupon in the mail, and then we get there and realize it doesn't start for another two weeks. We've been burned. We've been hurt. No, we, seriously, we have scars. We've had people that say, said, trust us, and we did. And they didn't come through. So Jesus now is looking to you and saying, trust me. Trust me. You want to get into heaven, you trust me. Okay. I have a twofold purpose in my message this morning. First of all, I want to preach to those here who are saved. I want to remind you of all that Jesus did for you when he saved you. I mentioned a little bit earlier that we all have one thing in common. We have our faith in Christ in common. I see more characteristics in this passage that we have in common as well. The question that I asked at the very beginning, when were you saved? I know the answer to that question. If you are saved here this morning, I know exactly when you were saved. 
The second purpose is going to be pointed to those here who are not saved. You do not know that you are saved. In preaching about how others were saved, I'm going to show you how Jesus is worthy of your trust and that he can save you as well. I have no doubts in my mind there are some here this morning who do not know for sure that they're going to heaven when they die. I have no doubts about that in my mind. I'm telling you right now, I can preach, I can beg, I can plead, I can pray, but I cannot make you believe. Can't make you believe. But I will show you the truth. Do you know for sure that you are going to heaven when you die? Do you know for sure? On a scale of one to five, where would you fall? Bible says you can be a five. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know. That's a five. It's a five out of five. Okay, how many of you are a five out of five? Don't raise your, don't raise your hand. No, okay, all right, fine, fine, fine. Let's close our eyes. Everyone, everyone, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Nobody looking around, please. You're a five out of five. Show me your hand just real quick. Okay, okay, all right, good, good, good. You're a one out of one. You have no idea, no idea. Didn't even know that the Bible says you could know how to go to heaven. Anybody? Okay, interesting. All right. How about you're, I'm a, I'm a two to a four. I, I'm not quite sure, not quite sure. I think, but I don't, I don't want to base my eternal salvation on a think. I want to know. How many of you, you're in there? Okay, all right, okay, okay. So, somebody in every category, all right? So, this message is for you, all of you. It's for the fives, for the ones, for the two through the fours, okay? Just lend me your ears for just a little bit, okay? When were you saved? Okay, Brother Luke, are you ready? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I don't know the exact date. I don't know the day. I don't, I don't even know if Brother Luke is saved, to be honest. <laughs> Tell you what, number one, when you were saved, you were without strength. You see that? You see that in verse 6? For when we were yet without strength. Brother James, when you were saved, you were without strength. Brother Davila, when, Mrs. Davila, when you were saved, <laughs> Brother Davila, when you were saved, you were without strength. Brother Dustin, you were without strength. Brother Rusty, you were without strength. Everybody who has ever been saved was saved when they were without strength. Not almost without strength, not fighting to survive, not just waiting until we could recuperate. We were completely helplessly, hopelessly, without strength. We came to the realization there was nothing we could do to change our sinful situation. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. We had no more strength left. You could say we were drowning in a swamp of sin and we were going down for the last time. And that, in due time, is when Jesus came to you. That's when he saved you. And we don't like admitting our weaknesses, do we? We conceal them. We ignore them. We even deny them. We like strength, especially in America. We like strength. No man has ever gone to a car dealership and said, all right, I want the truck with the least amount of horsepower here. 
Find me the saddest piece of junk you've got, and I want it. I want it. No, we don't say that. Think of even the mottos of these cars, you know, built Ford. I don't know what Fords are built for. But. <laughs> we like strength. No girl has ever looked at a, at a guy and said, oh, look at him. He's so feeble. No homeowner goes to the realtor. Where's, where's my realtor? Uh, Miss Linnae, there you go. Has anyone ever come up to you and said, listen, I want you to make sure this foundation is liable to crack at any time, okay? I want this crumbling. I want a weak foundation. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Who, who did boys want to be growing up? Superman, okay? Superman. Imagine if it was, look, it's a mosquito. It's a fly. No. It's sickly man. No. Faster than a sloth, more powerful than a Prius, can trip over a crack in the sidewalk. I don't think it would have gone so well. We like strength. We want to do things ourselves. We don't like being told, no, you can't. You can't. Don't have the strength to do that. Sorry, Johnny, you're not tall enough to be on the basketball team. I would hang upside down from my doorpost trying to stretch myself. What does the Bible say? Can you add one foot, one cubit to your stature? No, no. Short guys have tried, trust me. We don't, we don't like it. Never being able to see over a crowd looking girls straight in the throat. No, nope, we don't like it. We like strength. Tall, dark, and handsome. I got short, pale. <laughs> but I got the girl. I got the girl. Uh, we like strength, but Ephesians 2 says we are saved not of works. Not of works lest any man should boast, because we are boasters. See that coffee table? I made that. Every little thing we do, men that are 60 years old are still holding on to bowling trophies that they got in third grade. I won this with the 54. We like strength, but listen to me. As long as you believe that you even have a little bit of strength to save yourself, you will never be saved. Jesus saves those that are without strength, that won't look to anybody else and only look to him. Everyone who's ever been saved was saved when they were without strength. How about this? When we were saved, we were sinners. Brother Loveday, when you were saved, you were without strength and you were a sinner. Verse 7 and 8. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet, what? Sinners. Christ died for us. I've heard people describe times in their life when they 
fell into sin. The Bible does talk about even a just man falling seven times and rising up again. But let's not use that to dismiss the fact that we are sinners by nature. What's a lion's nature? Hunt. What's a bird's nature? Fly. What's a bee's nature? Sting. Make honey. Nobody has to force those animals to do that. It's in their nature. It's their DNA. It's their default setting. That is what they do. What is a human's nature? Sin. So here's, here's what I'm trying to bring out here. Nobody forces us to sin. We didn't have to be taught to sin. We figured it out just by following our own instinct. And we became real good at it real quick. Some of the lies that kids come up with, you're like, man, the things I would have gotten away with if I was as quick as you. But then, um, you know, adults know that they're, you know, when they're lying. We just have that. Watch it. We know. We're in your thoughts. We see your dreams. So saying that we fell into sin can give the impression that it just kind of happened on its own. That we are just walking along, minding our own business. And, ah. Okay, so if sin is a swamp that we have found ourselves in, let's be honest. Let's be honest. It's not like we were just walking by and suddenly slipped in. It's not like someone pushed us in. It's not like we were trying to avoid it and then we tripped in. No, we saw it. We saw it. We saw how dirty it was. We saw how disgusting it was. We saw how much it smelled, and we went. And we jumped right in, and it was fun at first. But then you try to get out, and it doesn't let you out. And you struggle, and you fight, and you kick, and you do whatever you can, and now you're without strength. And you are going down for that last time. That is what sin does. I've heard people say, well, I'm a good person. Okay, look, I'm not judging you, okay? I would like to think I'm a good person, but I would also like to think I'm tall, dark, and handsome. But even if I was a good person, good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. If you are good, the only thing that makes you is a good sinner. Whether you're a good person drowning in a swamp or a bad person drowning in a swamp, we're still drowning in a swamp. That's still an issue. And by the way, what, is, what, is the, what, is the, what does the Bible say? In due time, Christ died for the who? For, for, for sinners, for the ungodly. For the ungodly. So we can, you can tell me all you want that you are not a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have gone everyone unto his own way. We are all sinners. So we can sit like 1 John talks about and say, no, we have no sin. I am not ungodly. I'm good. You know what that means? Christ didn't die for you. Christ died for the ungodly. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is a, this is a 
uh, faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We were without strength. We were sinners. Here's what I'm trying to say. We were in a mess of our own making. That is why we had no strength. We ch- the, when Jesus found me, the reason I was in that swamp, the reason I was without strength is because I chose to play with sin. I chose to play with sin and I couldn't handle it. And I was trying to show everybody else and I was trying to prove to myself up until July 6, 2004, that I can figure my own way out. I don't need help. I don't need help. I was stubborn. I was prideful. But it came down to the point when I realized something's got to change. I have no strength left. And the only reason I have no strength left is because of my mess, my sin. Verse 10, we were enemies Oh, that's a big one. We were enemies. Think about that. When you were saved, if you're in here and you're saved, you're a five. You know for sure. When you were saved, you were without strength. You were a sinner in your own mess. You were enemies of God. The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Active opposition. Now I want you to imagine with me. You're sinking in that swamp of sin. No more strength left. You are the only reason you're in that situation. And right as you go down for the last time, you look up and you see Jesus staring at you. And when you lock eyes with him, you realize something. If it wasn't for my sin, he wouldn't have had to die. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us, Isaiah says. The one who knew no sin died because of mine. But even though we were his enemy, even though we were ungodly, even though we were in active opposition to him, even though he could have looked back at us and said, this is your mess, you get yourself out of it. Have you ever heard somebody say that? You made your bed, sleep in it. You buttered your bread, eat it. It's a lot of different things. We say, you wasabi your sushi, enjoy it. He could have looked at us and said that. But at the last moment, when we're going down without strength, we said, Jesus, save me, save me from my sin. And immediately, Brother James, immediately we felt those strong arms of Jesus come around us, pick us up, give us breath in our lungs, and set our feet upon a rock. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he goes further. Then Jesus says to us, I want you to meet somebody. Sure, there's someone else, too, in the Trinity. So I want you to meet my father. Ooh, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. We are the reason Jesus had to die, okay? So you could do a lot of things to me without making me angry. But don't mess with my son. We all feel that way. You have a son? Don't mess with him. 
don't mess with my son. That's why Psalm chapter 2, the, the quickest way to make a father angry, mess with the child. That's why Psalm 2 says, kiss the son. Kiss the son, S-O-N, lest he be angry. And ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. You look around and say, why is God, why, why is all this wickedness in the world? Why is God allowing these people to just go off and all this wickedness and death and peril and strife? Look at what they're doing to his son. They see his son, they know what he did for them on the cross, and they look back and say, I don't care! I'm going to do what I want. Don't mess with his son. And now he says, I want to introduce you to my father. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> there was one time in the mall in La Palmera, we walked in through the J.C. Penney, and uh, I mean, it's just, why does it always look like a bomb went off in that place? And just, I, I, wish, I wish I had more patience, but when I see that, you know, I want to go shopping, I'm just looking for something, and it's, if you want to find socks, okay, explore Mount Sock, and just all of them. That's why it's just all of these stores are turning into Amazon showrooms. That's it. Just, oh, that's nice. You go home and you pay for it on Amazon. But I went to the mall, and it was a long day, and I had to go to the mall, okay? When you want to go to the mall, that's one thing. When you have to go to a mall as a man, no. Get me in, get me out. Out. Can't breathe in there. And of course, as soon as you walk in, one of the little ones, I have to go to the bathroom. In the mall. In the mall. We've been at home with our own clean lavatory system for hours. And now we walk into the mall? You want to go to, okay, fine, fine, fine. Go all the way, and of course it's, it's tucked in. If you want a scavenger hunt, find a bathroom in the mall. Signage, no. It's tucked in some corner. There's a retinal scanner. You have to wait for a manager. There's a key like attached to a, a miniature baseball bat, some weird thing that you need. And of course you get there and you come around the corner and I have daughters. So they're coming into the men's with me. And of course you come around the corner after you finally find it and what's on the, what's on the door? Cleaning. So now the scavenger hunt goes to two stories. So you go up the escalator, and you're walking up, and you're thinking, which one's the up one? I have a 50-50 chance here. And you always choose wrong. You always choose wrong. You're waiting for the one person to be coming. OK, that's the down one. Never happens. So you walk to the down one. You got to walk all the way back around. You finally go up, find the bathroom, and the door is just ugh. You have to touch it, you know. And, so it was, it was a push door. And I was just, I was out of patience at that point. I'm sorry, I'm human. I've, I've lost my patience. And I took my foot and I just flung it open. And it went about a foot and went boom. <laughs> 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 and 
And there is an incredible hulk <laughs> of a man. Talk about pituitary problems. His sleeves were like, his arms are bulging out. They're bigger than my face. And I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. I'm coming home. This is how it ends for me. And he's staring daggers at me. And then I look down, and there's his four five-year-old son. <laughs> Talk about bad to worse. <laughs> oh, Lord, do you love me? Does Jesus care? You're going to need to prove it to me now. I just said, McKenna, you're going to have to hold it. <laughs> Think it's bad messing with the father? I mess with the son. And we're about to walk into his presence, and we look down, and there's no hiding it. We're covered in disgusting, vile, soupy, I mean, soaking wet with the swamp of sin. And there Jesus stands next to us in a bright, white, spotless robe. And we walk in, and the Father looks at us. Have you ever had someone do that? You walk into an interview, and they just go, eyes, feet, eyes. And you're thinking, oh, man, what deductions did they just make in that split, section, uh, split second? And the Father looks down at you, and you know all he sees is the sin that put my son on the cross. And instead of Jesus looking up and saying, Father, condemn this man. Father, I found this man drowning in a swamp of his own mess. Judge him. Jesus looks at us and he starts taking off our dirty robes. And he throws them to the side and then he takes off his white, spotless robe of righteousness. He puts it around us and looks at the Father and says, Father, forgive him. I didn't die because of him. I died for him. And without hesitation, without question, the Father looks back, rips out our ledger, and says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. When were we saved? We were without strength. We were without strength because we were sinners. We were actively opposed against Jesus Christ himself and God the Father. And Jesus picked us up and saved us. Therefore, therefore, look in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. You know what enemies need? Peace. We were without strength. We were sinners. We were enemies. And yet he sought you.
and he found you, and he loved you, and he died for you, and he rose again for you, and he saved you by his mercy and grace, and the Bible says he reconciled you to God the Father. You know what you have to do to reconcile? You have to remove the difference. Having slain the enmity, thereby by his death and burial and resurrection, he reconciled us to the Father once under condemnation because of our sin. We stand before him righteous and forgiven and favored. <laughs> That's when we were saved. So, some of you were very honest with me at the beginning. You weren't a five, you were a two through four, you were a one. My question is, when were you saved? It can't happen unless you're without strength. You have to see there's nothing you can do to go to heaven. Christ did it all for you. We are the sinners. We are the reason he had to die. We're an act, we were in active opposition against him when he found us and he saved us. Don't you see how you can trust him? After all he says that he would do for you. You're sitting here so kindly looking at me and trusting me. I've done nothing for you. Look at all that the Lord has done for you. And he's willing to do so much more, but you must admit it. You have no strength left. Nobody had strength to make it through. You have no excuse for your sin. You can't talk your way out of it. We've chosen to swim in it. There's no way out. Even if you could manage to find your way out, how are you going to find peace with God? As soon as you walk in with those filthy rags, he's going to know you're an enemy of my son. That's why Jesus says, nobody, nobody comes to the Father but by me. If you want to have peace with him, it's not going to be through penance. It's not going to be through a rosary. It's not going to be through charity. It's not going to be through anything that you've done. It's going to be if you trust that when I take you to the Father, I will put my robes on you. That's the only way you can go to heaven. Jesus will save you today. Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Some of you, you used to be a five, now you're down to a four. Whoa, 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 listen, 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 listen. Did you mean what you said when you asked Jesus to save you? When you cried out with that last bit of breath in your body, Lord, save me! Did you mean that? Did you mean it? Did you believe it in your heart that he would save you? Well, if you meant what you said, don't you think God means what he says when he says, for whosoever shall call upon me, I will save you. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Maybe you feel away from him. Maybe you're not living the way that you're supposed to live. There's a fix to that. Live the way that you're supposed to live. Do what's right. Do what's right. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. But if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to save you, do you believe him when he says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life? 
You have it now. You have it. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Do you believe that? If you do, and you don't know you're saved, I encourage you, I beg you, I compel you to trust in him today. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.